Catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Up ahead this hour, we'll have for you Book of Odes with Charlie Storr and Status Update with John and Shirley. But first up today, here in Taiwan. Today is Tuesday, December 11th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. In the studio today, we have Natalie So. Hello. Jake Chen. Hello. I am, once again, Andrew Ryan. And in today's program, we're going to be offering you a whole show about hiking. Are either of you big hikers? Not really. This, not really, unfortunately. <laughs> this is not our way of telling you, the listener, to take a hike. It's more <laughs> our way of telling ourselves to take a hike because hiking is an amazing, amazing activity. And uh, we have three stories here which are sure to whet your appetite for hiking here in Taiwan. Get out of the office. Get into the great wild outdoors. We're going to tell you uh, about... A trail, which is a nice trail to go on that is has something to do with dragon boats. Although I promise you it won't be close enough to see the dragon boat races uh, because that's not the connection. There's another connection. We'll tell you what that is in a moment. We'll also tell you about the world's first national park silent trail. That silent trail is actually sanctioned by the national park and it is located right here in Taiwan. I'll have that story for you. And also, we're going to tell you about how ancient trails are being repaired. Trails which tra take you from Taipei to Ilan. That's a long, long hike, I think. <laughs> All that and more in today's Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. Before we uh, get into our first story, which is about a trail that is named, well, has something to do with a dragon boat, um, I want to ask uh, the two of you, when was the last time you went on a hike? Can you remember the last time you went on a hike? Like to go on a hike for the sake of going on a hike? Does the Taipei Zoo count? <laughs> that was a long time ago, too. I think that was that a walk, was years right? ago. The Taipei I, Zoo doesn't count. I haven't been on a hike. You haven't been on a hike? For many years. For many years. Wow. Yes. Ooh. How about uh, you, Jake? The first time I came to Taiwan, I hiked in the uh, Toroko uh, National Park for oh, that's beautiful. two and something hours. Yeah, that, that was is great. really beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And how did you feel when you were there? Did it uh, clear your mind and make you enjoy the uh, the, the open beautiful air? scenery and the, the the yeah the open air? Yeah, I know it sounds like a cliche, but the the clean the the fresh air really it just makes you happy, you know, throughout the whole trail. I walked for hours and I didn't feel tired until afterwards. Yeah, I want to yeah. take a hike. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> go for a hike. Yeah. Go take a hike, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to start us off with uh, a story about a trail, which is not far from where we are 
are here in Taipei City. You know, I think a lot of people um, just assume that if you're in Taipei City, it's an urban area. There's uh, there's not much hiking or scenery to be seen. But actually, because we live That's in a basin, true. we're surrounded by mountains. That's right. Yeah. You can even hike at the behind us up to the Yunshan, the Grand Hotel. That's right. right. I mean, a mini hike. But yeah, up up Yunshan. Yeah, That's the name of the mountain behind right. us. Right. But you can definitely get far enough outside of you know the the urban area to forget that it's there. You can hear a little bit of a hum of traffic in the distance, but at least visually, you can get to a place where you can't see any um, signs of civilization, which is kind of nice. Yes, so we have a lot of uh, mountains all over. There's one that just recently made the news, and you know I think the government is trying to promote Taiwan's hiking trails. I mean they were. They have been promoting our cycling trails for some time. Now they're doing a lot to promote uh, hiking trails. And one is called the Dragon Boat Rock. Uh, it's not a trail, but it trails lead up to it. And that's where you can see wonderful views um, off the ridge of Mount Kayan in Nehu. So Nehu? It, yeah, it looks like a giant quartz sandstone ship. So it looks like a dragon boat. Well, sounds interesting. And then you can see a mountain... Um, of sea uh, force, sea of force. Uh-huh. So um, you can see a lot of the surrounding mountains and the forests. And um, there are also quite a few trails that go up through to that place. And you can, uh, on those trails, you can pass by uh, different temples, like the God of Wealth Temple, the Earth God Temple, also a suspension bridge. Mm. So um, there are a lot of great hikes. And there's also a night market such as there is always a night market nearby, I guess, <laughs> right. whenever you're done with your hike, that, eat yeah. something. It's so funny. That's not what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want to mention that this, this night market is not located on the trail. It's at maybe no, at the no. end. No, no, I like the end at the bottom. The trail. And you can eat after you. So know, now that you burn eat. off all the calories, time to get eat it all back. <laughs> yeah. some, eat some deep fried foods. Yeah, right. you know, you've earned it. Yeah. Um, actually, I th- what I think is great is that you can actually take the MRT, you take Taipei's Metro to a station that's right next to a trail. Yeah. Uh, Shangsan, right? Yeah, Shangsan is one of them. And that's actually the perfect view of Taipei 101. That's true. It's right across, the, across from it. Yeah. If you go there at sunset, the path is lined with photographers hoping to get um, a beautiful view of Taipei 101 with the lights on just as the sun is, is setting. Right. And it really is a stunning view. It is not an easy hike. Um, it's stairs, right? It is stairs, but there's a lot of them. A lot right. of stairs, yeah. So it is easy in the sense that there's a lot of um, infrastructure that, that make it easy to get through the path. However, if um, you know you want... You will get tired. Yes. Sooner or later. <laughs> it's a workout. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. We should go on an outing. This we should. This makes me want to go. Yeah, me like too. a group trip, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would be up for it. Uh, one of the places I like to go is called Fairy Imprint Rock, and that's near Jingmei. Also accessible by the the, um, metro system. If you go to Jingmei MRT station, uh, it's only like a five or ten minute walk to the head of the trail. Also a lot of stairs, but also beautiful views of Taipei City and of Taipei 101. And you can see this rock that has like indentations on it, which legend says came from a ferry. Xinji is what we call it. It in makes Chinese. such good stories for these. I know. <laughs> yeah. Good names: Dragon Boat Rock. Yeah, I mean, you don't fairy have to, rock. So colorful. <laughs> you don't have to believe it, but like it certainly makes the trip more Exotic, enjoyable right? because it's, <laughs> yeah, it sounds really exciting. 
Um, but I think you'll you'll end up finding if you really open up your senses, you'll you'll find some interesting things on the path. So I want to share an interesting experience I had over the weekend. I actually went up into Yangmingshan for a two-day um, workshop with a world-renowned uh, sound recording artist who calls himself an ecological uh, ecological uh, audiologist, audio ecologist. That's what it is. <laughs> so he records sounds of the environment. He's recorded environments all over the world. Wow! Um, and he uses these recordings. His recordings are used in soundtracks, in video games, um, in all sorts of museums around the world. It's a guy called uh, Gordon Hempton, who's based in um, the state of Washington in Olympic National Park. Um, but he has set up the one square inch of silence in Washington state. And basically, it's a, it's a part of a trail where he's hoping that there will be absolutely no sound. One square inch? One square That's inch. That's small. It is very small. But in order to be silent in that one square inch, you actually have to have silence extending. All around it. All around it for uh -huh. like up to 20, 20 miles or 20 kilometers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. So and now it is impossible to find places in the world where there are no planes flying over. That's almost, almost 100% impossible. So he does record instances of human incursion on the sound space there. But it is one of the places that has the longest... Uh, amount or, or duration of natural silence. So like up to like more than 15 minutes is, is a pretty good amount of time for total like silence in a trail. And of course, when I say silence, I don't mean no noise. Right. I mean, no human noise. Oh. So once it's silent of human noises, then you can he really hear wildlife and the great outdoors and the, the signals that the animals and birds and, and wildlife are oh, communicating cool. with each other. So what was he recording in Yamingsan? So he actually came here because Taiwan has set up the first uh, silent trail in a national park, which is sanctioned by a national park of anywhere in the world. Nice. Wow. And that is located in Taipingshan, which is... Oh, that's a beautiful place. Gorgeous. Really beautiful. Really gorgeous. A lot of people associate Taiwan with cities and urban areas, but uh, Taipingshan is known for its cl uh, cloud seas, seas of clouds. So you'll get up above the cloud level and look out and just see clouds covering the whole bottom of the of the valley like like an ocean yeah um and also cloud forests which is a, a real thing uh, throughout the world and it's uh certain places where uh the forests are located in an area where the clouds are just there constantly so it's constantly like misty in that area okay uh, what I found when I went up to Yami San because they, they brought in Gordon Hempton to teach classes on listening and on recording. Um, and we went just to Yami Shan, not all the way to Taiping Shan. He went there uh, with uh, the local recording artists. Uh, but for this workshop, uh, he actually brought us out into Yami Shan and had us following our ears around listening for different sounds and listening for kind of like the ecology of the Yami Shan National Park. And what I didn't realize until I went up there on uh, the weekend is that Yami Shan is one of the few places that's almost like very, very often will have both sun and rain at the same time because it's located in a place that's covered with clouds. 
but on a naturally oh. sunny day, you'll see both at the same time. Oh, I've only heard of those. I've never seen in person. It's incredible. I, yeah. Because I'd only been to Yummy Sun a couple times, and it was always to sunny areas. Yeah. Or on really clear days or really hot days. But at this time of the year, like, I was up there for two whole days, and it was misting the whole time I was there, but it was sunny the whole time, too. And there were constantly rainbows. Everywhere you turn, there are oh, rainbows. Oh, how beautiful. That must have been so incredibly beautiful. Surreal, yeah. It's totally surreal. I took tons <laughs> of pictures. I recorded tons of sounds, the sounds of like bamboo forests, but just an incredible experience. You, I mean, when it's so quiet and, you, and you're in such a beautiful place and you're not talking, you can totally hear things you would never hear before and you mm-hmm. see things you'd never see before. It's wow. just, and you're going to share these on air, right? Of course, you are. yeah, absolutely. You're uh, to the ground. In, in the coming weeks and months, I will be sharing a lot of my interview with Gordon Hempton, a lot of the sounds that I recorded, and a lot of his sounds that he's recorded cool. as well. Um, just stunning. Like it made. And what my favorite part? I'm going to go to go through this very quickly because I want to tell you, um, have you talk about the ancient paths as well before we finish today? But one of my favorite parts of the whole workshop is he set up this amazing microphone in the middle of a just a lecture room, and he had people go up one by one and put on a set of headphones and listen to the room, and our our brains will trick us into thinking we're hearing things or not hearing things. But when you put on the headphones and have an amazing microphone, you can hear everything. And so I watched the people's faces as they went up there and put the headphones on and were truly deeply listening for the first time ever. And it was one of the most moving experiences I've had in a long time. You know, just such an intimate thing to watching people listening for the first time, their ears really opening up. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So I'd encourage everybody to get out in the great outdoors Open up your ears, see what you that can sounds hear. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should do we should do a little group exercise. I'll go out into the And then not talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a hard thing for radio people not no, to I'm talk. Sure. Let me tell you. <laughs> So, ancient trails used by our ancestors uh, going between Taipei and Ilan on the northeast coast. Tell us a little bit how they're repairing those trails now, Lee. Well, it's very exciting. And um, they're centuries old. They're from the Qing Dynasty. And uh, there are different trails that they want to open up by the end of this year, which is coming up. Okay, wow. So, um, there's half-day trails and two-day trails um, and so between Taipei and Ilan to, you know, I'm sure it's very, very beautiful. And on the way, actually, you can still see some relics from the past, wow. like, um, you know, uh, big stones bearing inscriptions and old post offices and grocery stores, some wow. ruins from those. So, um, you know, they really want, they have a website for this called the Dan Sui Kavalan Historical Trails. Mm-hmm. And so you can find out more information. Right now it's only in Chinese, but, uh, you know, it's about the history and, and the trails and where they're located. Sounds fantastic. Very exciting. Well, this last 15 minutes has made me want to go for a hike. I don't know about you guys. Me too. Most definitely. Let's do it. For here in Taiwan, I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. And I'm Jake Chen. Welcome to Book of Odes. I'm Charlie Starrer. 
For this week's show, we're dipping back into the collection 300 Tang Poems, the anthology of the cream of the cream from China's golden age of poetry, well over 1,000 years ago. The poem I will read this week is a long poem by the scholar official Han Yu called Shi Gu Ge, The Song of the Stone Drums. Han Yu lived from 768 to 824 Common Era, a generation or so later than the great poets Li Bai and Du Fu, whose loss Han mourns early in the poem. Han was greatly influential in the development of the Neo-Confucian tradition, which would hold sway over the coming centuries, indeed until the end of imperial China. As a writer, he is even better known for his prose than for his poetry, and is often considered the greatest master of classical prose of his age, foremost among the eight great prose masters of the Tang and Song dynasties. Scholars in comparative literature have assigned him an importance akin to a Shakespeare, a Dante or a Goethe in the shaping of the Chinese literary tradition. Song of the Stone Drums describes Han's petition for the preservation of ten stone drums, ceremonially carved with inscriptions as a memorial from the 5th century BCE. That's the time of the celebrated Zhou dynasty. Han is desperate for the drums to be restored and treasured, rather than left to slow erosion at the hands of the elements. But for someone in and out of favour with the emperor, as was the case with so many scholar officials of his kind, he seems unlikely to get his wish. The poem is written in the seven-character style, meaning seven Chinese characters to one line. The Song of the Stone Drums Zhang handed me this tracing from the stone drums, beseeching me to write a poem on the stone drums. Du Fu has gone. Li Bai is dead. What can my poor talent do for the stone drums? When the Zhou power waned, and China was bubbling. Emperor Xuan, up in wrath, waved his holy spear and opened his great audience, receiving all the tributes of kings and lords who came to him with a tune of clanging weapons. They held a hunt in Qiang and proved their marksmanship Fallen birds and animals were strewn three thousand miles, and the exploit was recorded to inform new generations. Cut out of jutting cliffs, these drums made of stone, on which poets and artisans, all of the first order, had indicted and chiselled, were set in the deep mountains to be washed by rain, baked by sun, burned by wildfire, eyed by evil spirits, and protected 
by the gods. Where can he have found the tracing on this paper? True to the original, not altered by a hair. The meaning deep. The phrases cryptic, difficult to read. And the style of the characters neither square nor tadpole. Time has not yet vanquished the beauty of these letters. Looking like sharp daggers that pierce live crocodiles. Like phoenix mates dancing. Like angels hovering down. Like trees of jade and coral with interlocking branches. Like golden cord and iron chain tied together tight. Like incense tripods flung into the sea. Like dragons mounting heaven. Historians gathering ancient poems forgot to gather these to make the two books of musical song more colourful and striking. Confucius journeyed in the West, but not to the Qin kingdom. He chose our planet and our stars, but missed the sun and moon. I, who am fond of antiquity, was born too late, and, thinking of these wonderful things, cannot hold back my tears. I remember when I was awarded my highest degree during the first year of Yuenhe, how a friend of mine, then at the Western Camp, offered to assist me in removing these old relics. I bathed and changed, then made my plea to the college president and urged on him the rareness of these most precious things. They could be wrapped in rugs, be packed and sent in boxes, and carried on only a few camels. Ten stone drums to grace the imperial temple, like the incense pot of Gao. Or their luster and their value would increase a hundredfold if the monarch would present them to the university, where students could study them and doubtless decipher them, and multitudes attracted to the capital of culture from all corners of the empire would be quick to gather. We could scour the moss, pick out the dirt, Restore the original surface and lodge them in a fitting and secure place forever. Covered by a massive building with wide eaves where nothing more might happen to them as it had before. But government officials grow fixed in their ways and never will initiate beyond old precedent. So herd boys strike the drums for fire, cows polish horns on them, with no one to handle them reverentially. Still aging and decaying, soon they may be effaced. Six years I have sighed for them, chanting toward the west. 
the familiar script of Wang Xizhi, beautiful though it was, could be had several pages just for a few white geese. But now, eight dynasties after the Zhou, and all the wars over, why should there be nobody caring for these drums? The empire is at peace, the government free. Poets again are honoured, and Confucians and Mencians. Oh, how may this petition be carried to the throne? It needs, indeed, an eloquent flow like a cataract. But alas, my voice has broken in my song of the stone drums to a sound of supplication choked with its own tears. at english.rti.org.tw This is Status Update. Welcome to Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. We'll be getting to your lovely letters and your lovely Facebook comments, but that would be just in a moment. And um, at the end of the show, of course, we'll be updating you on the Taiwan Top 10, talking about quiet places to de-stress. <laughs> we are all very stressed, as our faithful listeners will know, still from last month's election. So it's a nice list of places where you might want to close out the year. Mm. Recharge your batteries a bit. <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, let's update our status. We've got some stuff going on around the office, to, uh, speaking of closing out the year, don't we, Shirley? Yes. I guess uh, it would be sort of like a, an old and, well, not new, and current um, RTI English service members, uh, sort of like a reunion. Yeah, a lot of our old colleagues, we tend to do this about once a year, don't we? Yeah, it has did, been did about once. I don't, I don't remember. Was it I'm, last year or the year before that we did it? No, I'm sure we had one last year. And it seemed like it was always me who initiated it. <laughs> but I remember last year, I think we had it um, downstairs uh, at RTI, like next door to the cafeteria. There's a special like, ordered, reserved room there. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, I think we ordered pizzas. Yeah, right? I, I'm not sure why they let us do that, because obviously our cafeteria does not make pizza. But I think maybe they were closed already or something. I can't remember no, what the situation was. No, it's just that we can use that room. Oh, we can use it's it. It's free. Okay. And then we can do whatever we want to do in that room. Of course, we can also order food from the cafeteria, but we didn't do that. Does that so we still have a karaoke pizza. machine in it or have they gotten rid of that? I haven't I, been there. I, I think they still do it's have that It's like a VIP room or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like a VIP room. That room has so. always puzzled me because it's you know, <laughs> not used very often. But yeah, we did have our get-together last yeah. year. Yeah, Almost uh, all of us were there. I mean, the current members. And then, you know, we've had our, uh, you know, the ones who've left us. Many familiar like, voices to our listeners, yeah, I think. Yeah, Gino, Wong, you know, Annie Liao, and um, sure, Jonathan Seidman, and... 
Hu Shihan, yeah, Huang Shihan was there. She's hard to get a hold of. She's a busy person. Oh, yeah, with her, you know, interpretation. Her jobs. glamorous life. Yeah. Of interpreting yeah, really at, at high stakes conferences and things like that. Exactly. And she said it's just busier than when she was here at RTI. Sure. And um, so, again, we're having this uh, dinner this week. I've chosen a, a restaurant right at a Yuanshan MRT stop, which is not too far from RTI. So, um, I think we're going to have a great time. But unfortunately, John, you're not going to be there. Yeah, actually, a lot of us this year have plans. Aww. I think we just waited too long to like, get this together. But I hope yeah. you guys have a good time. I know the place that you selected, it's actually not a bad spot at all. It's sort of like a, it's um, an Argentine a grill, restaurant? Argentina, yeah, like, grill kind of place. So. Looking forward to it. I also remember the year before last, we, I also chose a restaurant in that area, um, but a different restaurant. And actually, Jonathan brought his kid with him he, when he had just one kid then. Right. And um, his, his wife was there, too. So that was a very small gathering. Polly couldn't make it that time. Yeah, I think we're yeah. all in, like, it's like herding cats. We're all running in different directions. Yeah. You know, with the current seven members and then the, the ones that we're still in touch with, like five of them, it's kind of hard to find a time where all 12 of us can be there, right? Yeah. At the same time, I guess. Last but, year was remarkably successful. Well, we can try again. Maybe we can start planning next year's get together a bit early and see how it oh, goes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Especially now with like social media, things like that, we mm-hmm. can get kind of complacent about these things. You see their pictures all the time. Yes. And it just, it doesn't <laughs> occur to you how long it's actually been since you've seen everyone. I know. And it's just not the same seeing mm. each other in person. No, it is very different. each other's lives. Each other's you know? statuses. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, all right. Enough updating our status and um, let's get to our listeners' letters. All right. Yes, we always love to hear from you just what you have to say about our programs. Please write us at PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Or send us an email at rti at rti.org.tw. Of course, we love your Facebook comments, so please keep those coming our way too. All right. Well, the first one here, I'd like to read from a card, a, a Christmas card. Um, this is coming to us from Richard Chen of um, Trinidad and Tobago. Yes, it's always so nice to get a card from him every year. Um, you know, the, on the cover, it's really nice holly. Um, and then there's a cardinal bird Yeah, in, on the card. It says peace and joy. Yes, peace and joy in gold. Now, have you started your annual Christmas card wall yet? I hadn't noticed that. Oh, Have you gotten I, all, uh, No, uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, anyway, but you know, I think I, I tend to be using more e-cards these days. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fair I hope enough. it's the same. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Well, inside the card, it says to Radio Taiwan International English Service. And then in print, it says, wishing you all the joys of Christmas. And then handwritten by Richard, um, 2018, and then exclamation mark. And then, and a Happy New Year 2019, exclamation oh, mark. so that's Christmas 2018. And yes. Happy New Year 2019. I right. Yeah. So, and says, best regards, Richard Chen. Oh, that's well, very thank nice. you so much. Well, we've got a report in today from Riga, Latvia. This is coming to us from Andres Kuznetsovs, who writes, uh, Dear friends from the RTI English Radio, I send your, to your attention a reception report on reception of the English transmission on shortwave. If all details mentioned by me are correct, I ask you to confirm this report by QSL card for November 2018th. This is dated December 1st, but it's about a broadcast uh, we sent out on November 3rd, so about a month ago. This was received from 1600 to 1636 UTC. There was uh, a web link promo about our website, a literature segment hosted by Charlie, that's Book of Odes, Curious John, a report about the Kahabu people and their traditions in Taiwan, Uh, then a, a jingle, this is the Sounds of Taiwan 
that jingle, uh, then live from the studio, an interview with, with you, Shirley. Uh, Jake mm. interviewed you about your show. Oh, yeah. And an episode of Feast Meets West with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu. This was on 6180 kilohertz. Simpo was quite poor, 23332, and in parentheses it says very weak. But again, uh, Andres Kuznetsov is receiving us in Europe, where we're not broadcasting directly at the moment. So it is nice to know that you were able to receive us at all, I guess. Uh, That's amazing. Yes. Uh, and it says, yours sincerely, Andres Kuznetsov. So that comes to us once again from Riga, Latvia. All right. Now we move over to Japan. This is coming to us from Hisatada Fukuda of Akitaken, Japan. He listened in on November 22nd. And uh, from 03002040 UTC at 15320 kHz. He says, uh, under he says, thank you always for having such fun broadcasting. Chinese music was comfortable to the year. Uh, there is something to worry about monitoring every day after 340. The Chinese broadcast will be confused with strong signal strength. Mm. So he's like getting interception from China, that is. It is snowing here in northern Tohoku of Japan. A negative weather continues due to the cold that goes south from the continent. I'm envious of warm weather in Taiwan for the coming months. Well, apparently um, I hear that this week, later this week, is going to turn start turning cold. I mean, down to the uh, mid-teens. Uh, I think that for people in snowy regions, yeah, that I doesn't know. sound very bad at all. I know, <laughs> to be honest. I know. We so. were in, to be honest, though, we were in shorts last week. Yeah, so that's why. <laughs> it was very warm here Uh I guess one of the advantages of living so close to the tropics. Uh, it does get cold later in the year. I mean, I guess early in the year. Mm -hmm. So like January and February are chilly. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it's a short flight. So come on down. Yeah, really. Okay. So thank you so much. And uh, that was coming to us from Hisatada Fukuda of Akitaken, Japan. We go over now to Indonesia, where Pak Ning Jang writes, Dear sirs, and of course, ma'ams, good morning from Indonesia. As usual, here is another as usual, here is another reception report for RTI in English, monitored on November 27th, 2018, between 0300 and 0400 UTC, using the frequency of 15320 kHz. The programs were hosted by Jake Chen with the news. Uh, this was about Premier William Lai holding a press conference explaining the local election results, then Taiwan going to the polls Saturday and electing local government officials. That was followed by Here in Taiwan with Charlie Stora, Paula Chow, and myself. We talked about a Formosan black bear, a new e-national ID card, a haunted house, and transgender people. That's, about the, that's still in the ID card section. I think mm. the new card will not list gender... And it will have a third option as well, but that will only be visible when you scan the card, and it'll be oh, okay. indicated by a number instead I didn't of writing. Know that. Yes. Then there was uh, Chinese Culture 101 with Paula Chow. Uh, that was about traditional acupuncture to treat pain or illness. Jukebox Republic with Shirley Lin introducing the musical artists uh, featured in this year's Golden Horse Awards. Uh, there was Wang Li Hong with his song Love, Love, Love. And then there was one more thing before the sign off at 0400 UTC Simple rating fours across the board. So not bad at all. And it does say, please do send me a QSL card for my report. Well, no problem there. And then it says, xie xie. thank you, in Chinese. So yours faithfully, Chang Pak Ning of Indonesia. All right. And then we move over to Malaysia, just a little bit away, um, from Peter Ng. He wrote, saying, I heard your station of Radio Taiwan International broadcast on November 21st at 0300 UTC using the frequency of 15320 kHz. He listened to the news and also Book of Odes, where uh, that would have been hosted by Charlie Stora, uh, talking about the Persian slash Greek war, and then our status update. 
And uh, one more thing where we talked about a philanthropist in Taiwan. Uh, looks like the simple rating was a mix of fours and fives. Uh, appreciate your kindness as to have this report acknowledged and mailed to me a QSL verification card. Well, no problem with that. And uh, the receiver used in this case was a Sony ICF SW11 with the telescopic aerial. Well, thank you so very much for your details. And that was coming to us from Peter Ng of Malaysia. It's a Facebook roundup. A number of videos and posts this week attracted some very nice comments, so let's get right into it. Uh, on December 3rd, we had a video about professional mourners in Taiwan. Now, this is an animated video oh. uh, based on one person, one Taiwanese student's experiences with professional mourners in Taiwan. I think they're, they're now studying in France, if I remember correctly. Uh, and this video ha- attracted some good attention. Jacob Wong remembers something similar. Uh, it's a, he says, I was at that age when my last great-grandparents, one on each side, passed away in 1976. This looks really familiar. I'm not sure if this is so common anymore. I know that there are still people out there who do that. But uh, well, you were telling uh, me that you were, went to a funeral recently, right? Were, were there yes. any professional mourners there? Uh, no. It, no, I, I'm sure they were all like, you know, close kin or relatives and More friends low-key. and colleagues. Yeah. It could be our Taipei bias. We do live in a city where uh, things change quickly. Uh, I think I'm sure in some more rural parts of Taiwan, you could still see professional mourners like this. But it's an interesting bit of culture. And then on December 4th, we had our most recent Taiwan Top 10 post. That's, of course, about places in Taiwan where you can go to de-stress. Quiet places. Uh, And Mohamed Shamin wrote, I love tourist destinations. It smooths tension away, and it refreshes our body and soul. And I believe there was a picture with this one. So if you could write back and tell us where that was taken. Mm. I wonder what tourist spot that might be. Uh, Then Luke Bramley wrote, thank you for this with a heart. I guess another person stressed out by our recent (laughs) elections. Uh, (laughs) December 5th, the following day, we we had a video about New Year's in Taiwan, places where people go to celebrate the New Year. Mohammed Wabaidullah wrote, so beautiful. Then S.M. Abdullah Rana wrote, beautiful. And M.D. Abdul Manan also wrote, nice. So I guess a lot of people who liked it. I mean, the places in this video were very scenic, so I can agree. They were beautiful and wonderful and nice. So very nice. It's, it's time, time for, for Taiwan, Taiwan Top 10. 10. Well, I believe at this point our Taiwan Top Ten topic for the month. I've mastered saying that. Oh, good for you. Taiwan top ten topic. <laughs> uh, needs no further introduction. Uh, it is ten quiet places in Taiwan where you can go to relax. Number seven. And we're starting off this week with number seven, which is the Mingchir Forest Recreation Area in Yilan County. Have you been there before? No, sad to say. Well, it's a bit, uh, I think, off the beaten track. If you don't have a, like, oh, a, okay. if you don't, there's not like a public transportation option, I don't think. Oh, so uh, how did you get there? I was on a tour bus. Okay. Wow. But uh, a very haunting place. I have to say it's like very, not in a bad way, sure? but like, okay. wow, like misty forests <laughs> oh, 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 type oh, of a way. That way. Uh, okay. And there's paths through them. And I think there are some like outdoor eco classrooms, if I can, if I recall correctly. Oh, so there's a neat. large stretch that leads through the forest with like this wooden path. And occasionally there are these like squares or pavilions mm-hmm. all built with like wooden decking material, right? Uh, amid can, the trees. I can almost picture it. And now. they have, and there's heavy mist and fog settling over the treetops. It's very magical. And uh, they're planted very neatly. So like they're in rows. It's kind of a, a spooky feeling, but uh, I, I would love to have been there during an outdoor eco class. John, you describe it so well. I could almost picture it. Oh, it's, it's just, beautiful. Oh, I'd like I to go like back. I feel like I'm already there, serene. Um, there's also lots of outdoor ponds and lakes, lots of ducks and geese. 
And uh, I think there was like a big water fountain at one point too, but like a large forested piece of paradise. And there weren't that many people when I went. So well, I mean, it better stay that way if we want to really find a quiet, uh, you know, not uh, too much trodden place. Well, I think it's a government sort distressing. of stressing. You know, not national park status, but no. a protected forest area. I mean, that's good. So Keep a recreation area. Yeah, it's nice. Great. Number six. All right, we're heading down south now to the coast of Tainan. Now you've been to Tainan a whole bunch of times yeah, recently. But uh, have you been along the sort of the coastline there? Yes, the, I have. I, I went to one where it's actually famous for watching the sunset. That's what I'm talking about. That right area oh, there. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but this is inside a national park. This is Taijiang National Park, which is, sits right along the swampy sort of coastline there. I don't think I got and to that part. Mm-hmm. I think what it's mostly famous for is this one little stretch of river or uh, sort of an inlet. And there are trees growing on both sides in such a way that they sort of form a tunnel. They sort oh, of interlace Wait a minute. At the top. I know. We were going to take a, a ride down that river. Yes, that's the but, one. Um, we got there just when it closed. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's just one small part of it, though. That whole coastline is full of, like, if you like bird watching. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, seeing different migratory species up there. Uh, lots of old sort of, like, salt pans in that area as well. They used yeah, to make yeah, a lot yeah. of salt there. Yep. And... It's a, like you said, a beautiful place. I went there on a winter's day a few years ago, sort of when the days are short. Yes. And it was a bit chilly, but the sun was going down and it was, there was no one around. Oh. Beautiful. Oh, I Definitely know. worth trying if you can get out there. Oh. Well, too bad I didn't get down, go down. They called it a green tunnel, didn't they? Right. But it's mostly, yeah, I think that, that area is known for wetlands. Like, yeah. Like yeah, sort of yeah. marshy, right. swampy coastline. And, oh, uh, too bad I didn't make it that time. In cooler weather, especially when the, when the sun starts to go down and the sky turns all different colors. And really, the, a large stretch of that coast, there's really no one around mm. in the evening. So it's very nice. Number five. Well, this one is a bit close to home for you, I believe, Shirley. You're from Hualien, right? Originally, yes. you were born there. Starting a bit south of Hualien itself, the city on the east coast, there is a long valley. It's called the Eastern Rift Valley, and it leads just a bit inland from the coast, like a gash, all okay. the way down to Taidong. So there's a long, a few hours by car, I think, it, it'll take to drive from one end to the other. And it's sort of near the coast, but protected sheltered from it by the, a coastal range. And then on the other side are the big central mountains, right? Sort of... Yeah. So there's two different ranges on each side, and it's like a little, like I said, a little slit down uh-huh. the east coast of Taiwan, but it's very protected and warm. It's uh, because it's, of course, flat down in the valley. There's a lot of agriculture down there. And so uh, it's another scenic area. It's called the East Rift Valley National Scenic Area. It's a very lovely place to look, go look for wildflowers. Oh, I think the most okay. famous wildflower around there, and we, I think we've talked about this one before, are the daylilies, oh. which are these okay. fiery orange flowers that yes. I think around the summertime tend to pop out all over the hills there. Right. And They're actually edible. They are. I wouldn't, not like straight off, though. I no, wouldn't just go eating them. I think they're fried first, usually. Right, fried um, and fried. They're treated. Um, <laughs> But yes, uh, I've driven a good part. I've been in a car driving along a good part of that. And it's a great place. There's lots of indigenous villages along the way. All right. So we've listened to three really lovely places to just, you know, in your own world and, and have a quiet time. And, but in the meantime, we just, again, love to hear from you. And please keep those letters coming. Our address is PO Box 123-199 Taiwan. Our email is rti at rti.org.tw. Of course, we love your Facebook comments as well, so please keep those coming our way. We look forward to reading them. Until next week, I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for staying with us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan, back once again in the studio with Nally So and Jake Chen. And we're going to leave you today with one more thing. Jake, you have a story there about a dentist who gave up his career to do something very unexpected, I guess his friends and family might say. Right, most definitely. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the this dentist and what his story is. Right, uh, before I start, I want to just throw out this saying that I've heard quite recently, which I think fits well with the story. And uh, it's in a photography podcast. The person said, we often uh, celebrate young prodigies and old legends, but we never, we rarely celebrate people who make a transition halfway through their life. Mm. And I think, what an interesting saying, and especially when I see this, um, um, this is Mr. Tsai Mingren. Um, he, uh, um, I'm not going to go through all the stereotypes about what Taiwanese parents want, but he uh, <laughs> went through Maybe with a his doctor. <laughs> parents' plan and became a dentist. Yes. Um, yeah. But uh, he said he's been a very energetic uh, guy ever since he was young, and he always wanted to be a pilot. And uh, in his mid-30s, he uh, joined, which is uh, in the early 2000s, uh, he said he joined the Pilots Association uh, here in Taiwan, and he actually went through with the training. But so to fly planes, to like, fly a, like a like a plane oh. pilot, yeah, an actual wow. plane pilot. Okay, yeah. Um, unfortunately uh, for him, at the time uh, to finish the entire course, you would have to head to the U.S. for extended period to finish your training to actually get the the, the license. And um, his uh, parents and his wife at the time um, uh, was uh, uh, very vocal <laughs> against the idea, and um, so he said he he bided his time until. Uh, in 2014, um, Taiwan had his first private uh, pilot training facility. And he went through uh, with uh, their training, and he became the first dentist in Taiwan who also have a uh, private pilot license. Wow. wow. What a guy. So does he have his own plane or no? What does he do? Like he, fly in the... In he actually flew. He said he flew for the first time when he was 44. Wow. Yeah, and he said he felt uh, uh, the sense of peace that he never felt before. Yeah. That's sure fascinating. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I I grew up in a kind of a somewhat rural area of the United States, and there I mean there are a lot of people that have small planes and and pilots license, but in Taiwan, it's such a small place. Right. I wouldn't even imagine that you would have the opportunity to do something like that here. But you're saying that you you can actually get a pilot's license here now right. and fly small planes. Yeah. And uh, it is still very difficult to access because you ha you're going to have to travel far because we're so, we're so congested in the residential areas. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to, you know, go to a distant uh, flight school. And um, and he said, uh, uh, you know, um, I, I, he reduced uh, his practice uh, as a dentist uh, to fly more. And he said, uh, you know, he just want to encourage people. It's it, it's such a cliche, but it, re it really isn't too late to chase your dreams, even when you're, you know, more than halfway through your life. So, mm. um you know, to, to echo back the sentence at the beginning, it's a rare story, you know, for people to make that transition halfway through. But it's something that I think we all need to hear. Well, I think especially yeah, if you're cool. you're stuck in a, in a well, I don't want to say stuck. If you are in a career where, uh, you know, it's high pressure, uh, yeah. it's high money making as well. Sure. You're kind of in a cycle where you're constantly under pressure to keep up the number of patients and kind of to make as much money as you can and save as much money you can as you can with that career. Yeah. So the idea of kind of like, you know, reeling in the number of patients or making more time for yourself is a really unheard of 
idea. Like I, you just don't hear of people doing that. Right. Especially somebody who's kind of mid career or like slightly later career. Like I think very late career, like close to retirement, you do see people cutting down their hours and kind of thinking, what else do I want from life? And yeah, but to be able to do that a little bit earlier when you still have the energy to chase, you know, an unexpected dream. I think that's, that's great if you can, if you can do it. Yeah, and and I totally agree. He's he has a lot of things to lose, right? Both financially and, and in other areas as well. And he did lose some of that, you know, mm. by choice to to chase after his dream. That's a difficult decision that I don't think everybody can make. Yeah, especially yeah. in the face of uh, you know the naysayers <laughs> yeah. we are related <laughs> to yeah, <laughs> your really. wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, bringing this that story, Jake, and also thank you to the listener uh, for tuning in today on behalf of the English service. I'm Andrew Ryan, wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199. Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.